Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the Doggy Juice Pod. This is episode number 136, Friday, August 25th, 2023. And it's been a hot minute since I've come to you all here. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're coming up on the five-year anniversary of the very first Doggy Juice Pod episode next week. And since day one, we've had two goals here on the podcast. To update listeners on the latest in state-by-state sports betting legalization here in the U.S., and to help bettors, old and new, learn how to find value on the betting boards. So maybe you can even help pad your pockets, or at the very least, lose a little bit more slowly. And I thought it was an important uh, time uh, to get an episode out today, because tomorrow we turn the page to a brand new sports betting season. The college football season officially kicks off tomorrow on Saturday, August 26th, which is also the seven-year anniversary of perhaps the greatest unicorn event in sports betting history, and that was the exhibition boxing match between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Can't believe it's already been seven years since then, but I know that was a a landmark day for a lot of people in the betting space and really uh, something that I don't think we're going to see again in our lifetimes in terms of just sheer betting value on one option uh, with and just a, a square sharp divide uh, that we'll probably never see the likes of, at least at that level, uh, again. Although never say never because uh, a lot can change, especially uh, in this industry and a lot's changed in the seven years since that happened. But I always use the first day of the college football season as a marker to turn the page and, and officially begin a new sports betting year in my documenting um, in my records and I know a lot of you do the same uh, the doldrums of summer about to make way for the craziness of the fall uh, with football in full swing and and basketball and, and other sports starting their seasons as well so what a better time to come back here with a fresh new episode uh, than right now because I know all of you are looking forward to that new season as much as I am I hope life's been treating you well um, since I've came to you last and that you've been enjoying the summer and staying out of trouble. Uh, Life's pretty good here in Doggy Juice land. Uh, Mrs. Doggy Juice is giving birth to our first child, a baby boy, uh, due on September 23rd, so about uh, four weeks out from that. It's a little wrinkle I'm going to be having this season that I haven't had in the past, so should be interesting, but um, this will be a quick episode. I'll have uh, just a quick legalization update with a few nuggets on, on uh, recent industry news as well. I'll share some thoughts on this year's Bet Bash in Las Vegas, uh, Bet Bash 3, uh, that happened a couple weeks ago. And then I'll take a look at, uh, at at some season prep strategies, a bit more about my off-season summer process that I've gotten into over the years and and uh, dive a little into, into college football as well uh, with some betting tidbits as we prepare for the new season. Let's get going. So entering the 2023-2024 betting season, we now have 34 states plus Washington, D.C. that are offering some form of legal regulated sports betting here in the U.S. And we have four more jurisdictions that have legalized sports betting but aren't operational yet. And that's that's Maine, Vermont, Kentucky, and Florida. Florida's the, the big mess right now uh, just because it's really just mired up in, in the courts right now. Uh, but you can read up on some of the developments there. It is possible that we get uh, sports betting in Florida uh, quite soon, um, although there will just be one game in town when, when you do see that. Kentucky's probably the biggest story in terms of a new state that's finally coming on, and it'll be interesting, <laughs> really interesting to see how those Kentucky Wildcat uh, college hoops games are lined in Kentucky this fall. Um, but that's that's a state that's coming on fresh uh, this 
for this football season, which will be really fun. And then North Carolina, um, this is noteworthy. They they have been offering, if you're out in, in uh, the wonderful state of North Carolina, you've been able to bet on retail uh, brick-and-mortar books, but you're actually going to be able to bet online finally um, as well. They finally passed the law for that. So that's another big development. But not much movement otherwise. And I know we've touched on it in the past, but the, the big states in Texas and California are not coming anytime soon. Texas, they, they barely even meet the uh, the legislature there. And then California, it's just so uh, the, the tribes hold all the power there. So you're not looking at sports betting there this year, certainly, and next year as well. Uh, which is really unfortunate, but no big legalization otherwise, mainly because there's not that many states left. I mean, to, to actually legalize a lot of the states that haven't legalized yet just aren't going to anytime soon or, or ever see Utah. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how things develop the next few years. We have, like I said, 34 states offering it now. So we've really, we've come a long way in the past five years since PASPO is overturned. And it's obviously going to slow down a lot more uh, in terms of new states coming on board. But more will come on board. And I'll, I'll of course, keep all of you posted uh, as they do. But outside of the legalization front, a lot has happened in the sports betting, sports betting industry this summer. We've seen a lot of consolidation, um, a lot of, of M&A activity, which I, I've touched on as being something I expected to happen as we enter this new phase now with companies trying to show profitability and cut costs and uh, just keep investor money flowing in and, and interest in, in, in the companies as well. So you've seen a lot drop out, um, a, lot, a lot of books, you know, names that you've heard of, some names that you haven't are no longer in the sports betting game. Um, obviously, Barstool dropped out. Um, my old company I work for, PlayUp, uh, is out as well. I won't go into any specifics there, but you can Google what's happened over at over at PlayUp. Uh, I've been away from there for uh, about 16, 17 months and counting now, but uh, that's another one that's in the graveyard, so to speak. Um, obviously, the big news with, with Penn uh, dropping Barstool and now going with ESPN for ESPN Bet. Uh, that's that's something I'll dive into. I'll give you my thoughts more about in, in future episodes because uh, you can make a bowl and a bear case for that uh, for that uh, that marriage with with Penn and, and ESPN. But I have my skepticism about how that's all going to work out. But maybe we can dive into that on a future day. Um, and then WinBet that was another big one that that dropped out of almost all states uh, just recently, just a few weeks ago, which is a bigger name that a lot of people do know about. So. There's been a lot that have left. I mean, last year, Fubo Sportsbook, Sportsbook hung up their cleats, uh, Maxim bet left, and then you've had a couple of smaller players uh, drop out as well in, in some other states. I, know, I think Colorado, uh, which had the most sports books or close to the most sports books along with New Jersey or online sports books, uh, uh, there are under 20 now, under 20 available outs, which is still a lot relative to other states, especially the state I'm in here in Illinois, where we got seven. Although Circa, notably, is going to be opening up, although they keep pushing back that regulatory launch timeline. Always take an over on a regulatory launch timeline, I say. Um, but that'll be really exciting. I think Circa, they're, they're looking at late September right now, although I'm a little skeptical they're going to get it done by then. But it uh, looks like they're getting close for Circa in Illinois, which will be a, a really nice thing for us betters here. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of books that have dropped out of the game. We're seeing that consolidation in the space. Expect a lot more of it. Uh, I'd be re- remiss if I didn't mention um, the exchanges in New Jersey. Uh, I'm rooting for them, namely Sport Trade and, and Profit Exchange. They've uh, at least shown to be, you know, a little bit of uh, shown a little bit of promise early on here. Obviously, it's really difficult to pool liquidity when you're limited by the Wire Act and can only do anything within one state. But I just love everything they're doing, and they're, they're definitely thinking about things the right way over there. And I've had the pleasure of meeting um, the leadership teams in both those. Um, 
both those companies, both those exchanges, and they could not be nicer guys, young and hungry guys. And that's really where we're at as an industry. That's you know where I, I've placed myself as well as uh, an attorney working with sports betting startups. Is it's really the new tech, these the exciting new niche brands, you know, whether B two B or B two C, that are going to really shake things up in the industry, especially you know as as the regulations continue to. Uh, to change and people get more educated on the lawmaking side and on the regulatory side. So there's a lot, a lot of excitement, a lot of reason for optimism, but we are going to see, I think more smaller minnows get gobbled up by the big boys, but um, make no bones about it. I think young, exciting tech companies are where it's at in the future. And uh, there's a lot of excitement um, on, on that front. So Another thing that we've seen is an ongoing investigation in Iowa uh, relating to players and training staff involved in sports betting. Um, it's really a huge mess over there, something to pay attention to. I think uh, we're all turning a blind eye if we think that it's only happening in the state of Iowa and only those two uh, specific programs, University of Iowa, which happens to be my alma mater, and an Iowa State out of Lames, Iowa. Um, apologies to the Cyclones fans, but... Um, yeah, that's that's something just to pay attention to because it's really. I'm hoping that there's not too many knee jerk reactions on that, you know, with college betting and stuff because it's so important that we keep college betting above board and legalized. You know, if people are calling to ban college betting altogether, it's not going to get people to stop betting on college football. It's just going to bring the betting action back into the black market, and uh, and and you won't be able to monitor integrity anywhere near as well. And it's important that we get this right, though, too. So there are some exciting um, developments in that front. I know Prohibet, uh, which is uh, a product of odds-on compliance and U.S. integrity, um, two great companies in the sports betting space on the compliance side. They have a new um, new, new uh, solution called Prohibet that they're rolling out, and they've partnered with uh, a few conferences already to help uh, detect some, you know, uh, unusual betting activity, but more importantly, people that should not be betting and be able to detect that and, and circumvent some state-by-state um, data privacy laws as well. I mean, there's some nuances there that make it pretty difficult on the tech compliance side, a product like that, but I know it's it's an exciting one that they that they have uh, implemented already with Prohibet. So, And that's what it's all about. It's all about being able to adjust with the times, especially as things continue to develop in, in, a, in multiple states here. So there's a lot happening on the legal and regulatory side of things. I um, will, of course, keep you all updated on this, you know, on this podcast. But I also encourage you to check out uh, WagerWire, their Twitter Spaces. I've been going on there regularly now, um, making an appearance with Sam McQuillan from Legal Sports Report, who's a, you know, a tremendous reporter based out of New York, and uh, we've gone on a few times now on the WagerWire Twitter Spaces to talk about the legal. Uh, developments in the space and, and some of the things we're seeing. So uh, be on the lookout for those as well if you're interested in, in this side of things. Hello! Bet Bash 3 went down earlier this month, August 8th to 11th. Um, it was honestly the best time ever. Like, again, I, I've uh, I've been to all three Bet Bashes, and I'm proud to say that I've, I've met so many of my now lifelong friends at Bet Bash. Um, it's just there's so many incredible people there, people that are cut from the same cloth as myself, but um, you know people that speak the lingo and actually you know surround themselves in the sports betting world uh, you know year round all the time. It's just a such it's, it's it's a great opportunity to network to connect with with other sports betters, share ideas, uh, make connections, and uh, there's just so many reasons to go to Bet Bash. Not to mention you know the four nights of open bars. I mean, you definitely make your money's worth uh, for the ticket just due to the open bars. The speed networking event is incredible. Uh, but the highlight this year by far was the the Sports Gambling Hall of Fame unveiling at, at Circus Sportsbook. And the inaugural class in the Sports Gambling Hall of Fame was 
absolutely filled with legends. Uh, they, they inducted 10 people, five that are still living, five that have uh, passed away uh, into the initial class. And uh, Billy Walters was there, and it was my pleasure to, to meet him in person. And and um, and he, he was he's known as the Michael Jordan of sports betting, the best sports better of all time, and his new book, uh, Gambler, just came out as well. Highly recommend ordering that as well. My, my copy's still on the way, but... Um, that was definitely the signature event of Bet Bash this year, and, and made it so special uh, to be there. So I, I can't recommend going to Bet Bash enough. It looks like it's going to be every August in Vegas uh, from here on out, and it's it's just a hell of a time. So I, I really, if you're really into sports betting and trying to do this thing, and, and even if it's just a small passion of yours, um, it's really just a fantastic event to go to, and I, I cannot recommend going enough. And one of my bigger takeaways from this time around at Bet Bash, at Bet Bash Three, which and it keeps growing too is I talked to a lot of people there who have had issues getting their voices heard with, with operators, you know, with, with the sports books, and with regulators, just on the patron complaint process. And you know, some guys I talked to in, in multiple states have said that they you know, filed a formal complaint with the regulator and didn't hear back like for a long time, ever. And um, a lot more, and I've had this experience myself, and I know a lot of friends that are currently going through this and have in the past, but a lot can't get answers out of sports books themselves. They'll have an account restricted or... Um, you know, money just disappears or bets disappear, and they they're not able to talk to someone that's competent at the sports book. A lot of the time, it's because there's just a, a natural disconnect, unfortunately, between the AML and fraud teams at sports books and and the customer service teams. Um, there's just a broken line of communication. But I think the biggest reason is because most of those people that are on those teams just don't know sports betting. They don't know the lingo. They don't know how things work. And and when you're in an industry like this right now with the tech compliance, um, it's so limited. Like the the rules and regulations make it really difficult for sports books, and you're always reliant on your third-party tech, and so much can go wrong. That's usually the reason why so much of this happens is due to tech issues um, when these operators, the sports books, are reliant on the tech. But that's not communicated properly within among these organizations, and especially on the customer service side, to be able to relay it to um, to patrons and and, uh, and betters. It's it's frustrating for a lot of guys. So. It, you know, you definitely should have your voice be heard. It, 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 things should definitely not be this way, where you you can't get an answer out of anyone, and um, you're not you know you have no guidance on, on why a decision was made or if you were limited. I mean, um, it's it's frustrating for a lot of guys. So if you have any issues with sports books yourself, don't hesitate uh, to reach out to me, and I'll, I'll see if I can help out. Uh, however, I can because it's um, it's a unique time right now, and I'm hopeful that the education just gets better on on all sides, both sides of the counter. Um, but yeah, Bet Bash was incredible this year, and if you haven't been yet, definitely look at making it a priority to book Bet Bash Four in Vegas next August. City. All right, so we got a new sports betting season upon us, and those who are more prepared and have an action plan early on at this stage, before the games even kick off, and in the NFL's case, weeks before uh, the regular season kicks off. Those who are prepared are able to set themselves up for success, just like anything else in life. You know, if you're failure to prepare is pre- preparing to fail, but it's very true in sports betting as well. And for some of you, it's, it could be as simple as just funding your accounts ahead of the season and making sure you have as many outs as possible because that's the single edge we have. I always say this, the, the best thing you could do as a better right now without doing any extra work uh, to learn anything or crunch numbers or learn teams or anything like that is to 
is to add as many books as possible to your arsenal, to have as many outs as possible, to make sure you're always getting the very best price in any market you're looking to bet because you're going to lower that synthetic hold and you're going to be able to put yourself in a position to at, lo- at least lose more slowly over time. But that's the, s- the simple thing we can all do is just to make sure uh, we have as many outs as possible and making sure um, those outs are, are funded properly ahead of the season because the betting boards are going to be lightened up soon enough. I think mean, they already are. And, um, you know, promos and the regulated sports books here in the U.S. won't be as good anymore as, as they have the first five years as companies look more towards profitability. But there are still some nice sign-up bonuses out there to take advantage of and um, definitely worth, you know, it's, it's free money you're leaving on the table if you're not if you're not signing up for those books. So um, there's also free odds tools out there that, that are at your disposal that have never been there before uh, in previous years, although last year as well. But you've got Spank Odds uh, through Spanky. That's still free right now to get that. Um, Unabated, which I've talked about on here, and they, they don't pay me anything to say this, but I've used them as a customer myself. And it's fantastic. Um, just seeing the odds moves in real time at certain books, especially right now at this unique time with a lot of books at our disposal with, with the shitty tech that I talked about earlier, um, you can really take advantage, uh, especially if you have the top-down approach, um, and just pick off stale lines and, and take advantage of uh, mispricings really quickly just by having those tools at your disposal. So I highly recommend adding um, you know, an odds provider or the, you know, like a spank odds or an unabated to your arsenal heading into this year if you don't have that already. Uh, for me, on the prep side of things, you know, a lot of my work early in the summer uh, with my process is, is analyzing coaching and coaching personnel changes, you know, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, some of their assistants that they're bringing in. Um, but I do that as much as I analyze player personnel changes early on in the summer, because when working on my priors, um, when I'm you know, handicapping and power rating teams heading into, you know, especially in college football, where there's so many more teams to look at, taking a big picture look of where a program is and, and what type of scheme changes we can expect in the fall. That's as important as any, number crunching or assigning number values and adjusting those number values to players in the offseason because it really gives you a big picture roadmap of what to look for on that team and and there have been a lot of changes in both college football and the nfl on the, on the coaching side of things this offseason you're seeing a lot more co- younger coaches come in the nfl um, embracing analytics which is exciting um and in college football as well i mean coaches make programs college sports and you know everyone knows that but um, there's been a lot of changes, a lot to stay on top of, but on my end with my process, you know, it's really only until July, it's when I start honing in more on my player ratings and really carve out my priors um, with, with player ratings at that time. And I'll, I'll hit a few single game bets or game of the year bets at that point if I see value. Of course, regular season win totals uh, being a big part of the process as well. And um, so I, I would say early on in the summer for my regular season win totals, I'm really just trying to pick off, you know, um, pick off good prices on certain teams where I have a, a strong feeling or strong, um, I guess, a strong probability that, that you know, the number's going to move a certain way on them. Um, then I can justify firing before putting in a lot of the of the, the work on, on player personnel and player ratings and even before the work I, I put in on, on coaching personnel changes. But I really I do a lot more of my season win totals uh, starting in you know July, June, July, but especially July after I start diving more into the player ratings and, and really get up a more solid number uh, on my prior. So I'll, I'll have a pretty solid number on most teams by early August, and then uh, I can fine-tune that as teams return to camp and, and things really get going. And It takes a lot of work to prepare, but the more prepared you are, the better off you're going to be in sports betting. And um, it's, it's always interesting, too, with, with 
you know, early season power ratings adjustments and, and whether or not you're overreacting or underreacting to early season results. That's part of the art of sports betting, you know, no, no matter what people tell you. And that's, that's always a big challenge, but, um, that's something as well. And I, and I know I've gone into that in prior podcast episodes and I'm sure, uh, in future episodes as well, can dive in uh, to that as well, because there's a lot of people that think differently on that front too. Um, the past couple seasons on my end have been a lot more top-down versus bottom-up approach uh, just because of some of the stuff I was talking about before, this being a unique time in the industry where we can really we just have so much at our disposal, so many outs, more outs than we've ever had before, and, and you're really able to, to pick off some numbers doing it that way and you know, glorified steam chasing, whatever you want to call it, but it, it uh, butters the bread. So, um, But if you want to learn more about the difference between top-down and bottom-up betting, check out the Doggy Juice Pod episode I did uh, back in the spring talking about the difference between the two. You know, The bottom-up basically is your classic handicap. You come up with a number on a team, and the market deviates from your number, and then you fire. Uh, top-down, you're really not doing any handicapping or uh, originating. You're really just playing the market and uh, and using a source of truth. You know, one of the sharper books that I've, I brought up in that podcast as your as your source of truth, uh, books that actually take money from betters and, and take a bet and don't limit uh, winning betters. Because when you're, you know, when you're looking at betting splits too, and I did another episode on that, you know, it's, it's completely useless to look at betting splits in a sports book that's not taking sharp action. And um, unfortunately, that's the majority of, uh, if not all, most of not not all, but most of the regulated U.S. sports books. So um, definitely check those out. But I've definitely on my end uh, become more of a, a top top-down approach better than uh, a bottom-up, which is really what I started doing more. So the college football season officially kicks off with Week 0 on Saturday, August 26th, as Notre Dame takes on Navy in Dublin, Ireland. And the big news early on in college football is going to be the, the big rule change to this year. The clock is going to run on first downs now in college football with the exception of the last two minutes of each half. So that's that's obviously a huge change. The clock used to uh, stop on, on first downs in college football. And this is, of course, going to lead to less scoring on average. Um, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. And, you know, I've read a, a lot of different people's analysis on what they're expecting in, in terms of how many, you know, how much? How do we put this into play? But how much? How much less scoring we're going to see? And it really comes down when you quantify this into uh, the number of plays you know, from scrimmage. And I've seen predictions from you know four. Well, basically, we're looking at like probably five percent, four to five percent of the game, but around four to five plays from scrimmage fewer than than what we saw last year on average. But I've heard some say even a little bit more. And when I have dove into this a little bit, you know, in the in the off season, I keep coming. Uh, to a higher number than I, I think the market's pricing in. I'm really expecting, you know, even f- closer to six, seven um, less plays from scrimmage, um, which is honestly higher than than I think a lot of people are thinking. So my hypothesis right now is that the market, of course, it is pricing it in. Um, just as an example, I heard I forget who I heard this from, but the average total of college football. Week zero and week one games is 52.6, at least it was a couple days ago when I heard this, uh, which is lower than last year's 54.8 average total on a week zero, week one games. So it is priced in, but my hypothesis is it's not quite priced in enough, but I'm willing to be proven wrong and not with my money as much. So I'm, you know, it's a consideration right now, and especially when looking at totals and total moves early out of the year, but in general, it has me, you know, a little bit more wary of playing overs the first couple weeks of the season, at least as this plays out and we um, get more data on this and, and kind of 
we're able to see it for ourselves and stuff. Obviously, it's going to impact some teams more than others and and uh, some matchups more than others, and it'll be nuanced. But in general, we will see less scoring this year on average. And the lines already told the totals already lined that way. Um, but I'm thinking it might even be a little bit lower uh, on average than than uh, than some are even thinking. But we shall see. But that's going to be obviously a huge development um, in college football this year and something to pay attention to and. Um, and that's it. I hope you all enjoy the, the, the games this weekend. It's going to be uh, fun to have football back on the gridiron. That actually matters, and there's some good matchups out there. Um, and, of course, next week on September 2nd, we have the full slate, the, you know, the official week one. with It's just going to be wall-to-wall college football action. So really, really looking forward to that and, and uh, diving into college football again here um, in the very near term. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Podcast. As always, follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And if you enjoyed listening to this, then all I ask is that you please rate the Doggy Juice Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, even a quick five-star rating takes five, ten seconds, really helps get the pod out to more people who can benefit from it, especially people who are interested in learning more about the latest in state-by-state sports betting legalization and how to become a, a sharper sports better during these very exciting times. So anything you could do to help spread the word is very much appreciated. And even though I haven't been on here in a while, I have made appearances on different shows and podcasts this summer. A good friend of the pod, Matt Landis, had an excellent um, series in July called The Month of Malinsky. Everyone here on the Doggy Juice Pod knows that Dave Malinsky was a uh, a guy who I view as, as not only one of the greatest sports handicappers of all time, but one of the greatest people of all time. So Matt did an excellent job with that. Highly recommend checking out that series and, and the Props and Hops podcast um, brought by Matt Landis. Um, and then, of course, the WagerWire Twitter spaces that I mentioned before uh, with, with good friend Sam McQuillan from Legal Sports Report. Uh, be on the lookout for that as we go on uh, to talk more about legal and regulatory updates uh, every now and again. And before the NFL season starts, I'll be back on here to celebrate five years of the Doggy Juice Pod. We'll take a look at a few teams that I'm high on and low on relative to the betting market heading into the 2023 NFL campaign. All right, everyone, enjoy the start of a brand new season. Good luck with your action, and I will talk to you all again soon. Doggy Juice out. (laughs) 